super friends with Eric Esquivel. Welcome back to Super Friends. This episode, I am joined by the voice of that wonderful theme song that you just heard. Young Kenzie Lee, welcome to the studio. Hi. I'm waving on a podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what is your what is your full name? What's your deal? Who I are you? am Mackenzie Mazel mm-hmm. or Max or Kenzie Lee. That is good as branding. You call me. When you have four names. Yeah. That is rock solid branding <laughs> for a musician. I like that. But yeah, I'm Mackenzie Mazel. Yeah, and you are a musician. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a cool person. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And today we watched Supergirl, the movie this morning, you and oh, I. Oh yeah. That was a gem. <laughs> <laughs> we were late here because we were uh, yeah. screaming at the screen and pausing it. Yeah, it was a, yeah. It's like a two-hour movie, but it took us five hours to watch. Yeah, yeah. It was not very streamlined. And we were planning last night. We were like, okay, what time do we have to start watching this? Yeah. But then it was just, there were too many things. And we kept saying, we're like, we're gonna, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to save it for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we would just pause it and scream about things. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. So this is your first time watching it. Mm-hmm. Let's real quick talk about your relationship to our Lord and Savior, Superman. Okay. Before you and I started becoming sweetie pies, uh-huh. you were a comic kid. I know you read like yeah. The Authority and Preacher and mm-hmm, stuff because mm-hmm. you're tough. And yeah. I, was, I was reading Supergirl <laughs> and you were reading Preacher. Yeah, yeah. So what were your thoughts on the Super Family? Um... Well, that's like a cutesy little story because I uh, wasn't very into it. Mm-hmm. And then being a Harmontown kid, mm-hmm. uh, I heard you oh. argue with Dan. Yeah. And that's actually what got me interested in it. So I had yes. read a little bit. Yes. Like I'd read his first appearance in, you know, action comics and I'd read, uh, oh my gosh, I can never remember it. Then the one where he's sitting on that cloud looking all cute and happy. Yeah. yeah. I'd read that and that was great. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I, I was exactly one of those people who like, because I look like I'm nine years old and I'm blonde and cutesy, I was just like, no, I'm not what you think. I'm like Batman. (laughs) And so I was like into stuff that was dark and I was, you know, very much like Alan Moore and Mark Miller and like, Mm -hmm. yeah. But then you gave it all this cultural context that I wasn't aware of, uh, and it really sparked my interest in it. And it's one of those things that I think when something is so ubiquitous as Superman, yeah. it becomes devalued culturally. Yeah. It's just always around you. And so you forget to take an interest in it. Mm-hmm. And so you gave me a reason to have an interest in it. And so then, uh, yeah, it changed my perspective. I so I appreciate that. I wasn't fishing for that at all. That's amazing. That's before you moved <laughs> to LA and before we met. And yeah. That's yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Superman's the best. So All Star was your first book that you read, of, like on your own of Superman, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but no Supergirl, right? No, well I've read Supergirl now. Yeah, yeah, I love Supergirl now. It's Good. really fun. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So how does this movie compare to your idea of what Supergirl is? This is we should say it came out in 1984, mm-hmm. so a little while ago. Yeah. Written by David O'Dell, uh, directed by uh, Jeanneau Sadark, and uh, acted by Helen Slater. She's Supergirl. She's great. She was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. That Supergirl was awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, that actress, that whole character, the costume, we can talk about that later, but the costume was really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, She, as a contained character, was awesome. The movie was a glorious disaster. (laughs) Uh, But I, I loved the character of Supergirl in it, for sure. Supergirl's very divisive amongst the fan base because people, uh, some folks feel like she's a really great, wholly original creation, just mm-hmm. has the same kind of uniform, mm-hmm. just like any cop or soldier does. They wear the yeah. same uniform with the different people. Oh, and I, I buy into point. that. I like that. Uh, some folks just think that it's Superman Girl. Mm-hmm. Like my mom calls her Superman Girl. <laughs> she doesn't know that there's a Supergirl. <laughs> she's like, oh, I know that you like that Superman Girl show. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and she's also a lady policeman, though, for context. So. I don't, there's nothing to get into there. Like her version of policeman officer. Yeah, it's a lady policeman or a <laughs> Superman girl. Um, so where do you fall on that spectrum? Do you think that she has enough to be her own character or is she just like Superman light to you? Um, Yeah, I think she has enough to be her own character. I think that it's one of those things, uh, I mention it all too often. I mentioned it um, last time I was in here with you and when we were doing the commentary. Um but I do think that it's important 
to be able to like if you want to give a character to somebody who hasn't had one before so if you want to give a character to girls don't kill off superman yes yes and then make girls superman that's a great point so i think that that's a really cool and important thing to have mm-hmm. um and then also like it's the thing that makes superman intriguing is what he does with his powers it's we're inundated with comic books and superheroes and magic and this movie has everything strange and magical in it yep. to prove that point uh and so it's not that compelling in the world of comic books to be superhuman mm-hmm. what's compelling is being somebody who chooses like with superman he's like i'm gonna be patient with people i'm not mm-hmm. gonna kill people you mentioned the authority yeah um you know what I'm talking about. The one where he faces off with the authority, but not the authority. Yeah, yeah it's called and What's where... So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way Yeah, by I, Joe Kelly. I love that story, and I love it because he proves, like, I could be a jerk and kill you, but instead I'm going to, like, have patience and be tender about the situation and, like, treat living things, all living things, with the respect they deserve. So that was a long tangent of saying... That's great. What's important about power is the way that you use it. And so Supergirl is compelling because she also has powers and she can choose to use them in her own way and develop her own relationship to that. That's a very, very profound, great point. I like that a lot. And how does she use that in this movie? Because when we first see her, let's talk about how we see her when she doesn't have powers first. Okay. Okay. So when we first meet her, she is uh, on the the city of Argo, Mm -hmm. which is in another dimension. Mm -hmm. So it's not the Phantom Zone and it's not the third dimension where you and I live. Right. It's some other thing. Which I needed explained to me. I had to pause it and I was like, where did she just leave? Yeah. Because it's not Krypton. And I superman explained it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Which never... is a big theme in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they never mention it in the movie. That's why no. you paused it. Because you were there's no way to know. You just have to make stuff up. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's some third elsewhere dimension that is fine. And that's where they went to avoid Krypton being destroyed. Okay. But I don't know why they didn't take Clark's family and Clark himself. I don't know why. They know what Earth is. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't go to Earth. And they're like, we should just go to Saturn. I don't know why they didn't do that. I don't. There's no answers to these questions throughout the film. They're just exiled on a little city of Argo. And we meet their president, who's like friends with her for some mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. And her parents suck. But the president of Argo City is cool. And he's a sculptor. Mm-hmm. And he has this, you want to take it from there? There's like a MacGuffin-y thing. Right, right. Which is essentially like a beautiful blown glass wand, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And he touches that to, like, a shimmering hockey puck. Yeah. And the two together create life out of the things that you've made, essentially. Right? Yeah. If so I was the, understanding the that. The magic hockey puck is it, it can power anything. So he has this wonderful invention that is this wand that never comes up again uh, that, it, <laughs> that it powers. But it also powers all of the oxygen systems for Argo City right. and all the lights and, like, the hospital's machines that keep people alive. <laughs> yeah. The iron lung. So... It's the power for everything. And he's just like kind of messing around with it, making yeah. like arts and crafts. Yeah. Trying to impress this hot 15 year old girl. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, like they mess up and it goes flying through the window. Like she like drops it through the window and mm-hmm. it goes out in the void of space and it dooms all of Argo City. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because he was trying to bang this 15 year old. <laughs> and then they're like, you creep. You have to go to the Phantom Zone. And then he goes to the Phantom Zone just quietly and happily. Yeah. And then Kara goes to go find the MacGuffin. Right. Because the the city will only survive for two days without it. Right. Which is really, really, really not important, as it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. So take it from there. What happens when she goes to Earth? She has a really fun time. <laughs> <laughs> she forgets all of her family and friends yeah. are in danger. She... Gets in this amazing, I want it so bad. If I ever have money, I'm wasting it on this. She gets in this, like, pod that looks like the back of Bulbasaur if it were designed <laughs> by the people who made Barbarella. Like, clear plastic parts and this just, like, magical little flower spaceship she gets inside yeah, of. Yeah. She lands on Earth. And, yeah, so everything she's ever known is going to die in two days. Mm-hmm. She lands on Earth inexplicably in a Supergirl costume. And with a different hair color. Yeah. Right? Hey, different hair color, oh, no, gorgeous I'm, makeup, yeah, or different hairstyle anyway. Yeah, and, and makeup entirely. Yeah. yeah. And you know more about this than I do, but we were commenting that it was frustrating that 
her Supergirl costume comes from nowhere. Yeah. That, like, with Clark, it was, like, important, and it was, like, the symbol of back home, and, like, other people dressed that way, and it was, but, like, there was no mention of any of that symbol. Nobody Mm -hmm. was dressed like that. There's a weird thing in all the movies, because in the comics, like, yeah, that was a costume that was a Kryptonian costume, and, like, Mm -hmm. uh, there's different iterations. One of them is that Ma Kent made it out of his blanket. I like that a lot. Yeah. And another one is that it's just what Kryptonians wore. We saw that yeah. in Man of Steel. They all had the same costume. Mm-hmm. But in this, in, the, in both movies, like in the Superman movie and in this one, they don't wear that back home. Mm-hmm. In Superman, they wear like white shimmering oh, that's white right. and silver. That's right. They do. Yeah. And there's no color at all. So I don't know why they had color on the kid's blanket. Yeah. And then in Supergirl, they wear like hippie 70s stuff, even though it was made in 84. Yeah. But it's all like earth tone hippie garbage. And then she's wearing that when she gets to Earth. For no reason. and But in her pod, they had a blanket, just like Clark's blanket. Hmm. But that just became the costume. Okay. For some reason. But that scene when she lands is really cool, because she immediately can fly. Unlike Superman, who it took like 30 years to perfect mm-hmm. his powers, she just has them all immediately. And she's like a ballerina. Yeah. And they have this cool wire foo kind of thing throughout the so forest. And, it, and she's doing like matrix flips and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's around trees, so it would be hard to have wires there. So it looks really good on screen. I loved that. Yeah, I I'm sorry I got sidetracked with the um the costume. It's just her costume changes no, no, throughout important. the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, that felt to me like the way every little kid movie that inspires you to turn around and play pretend in your room afterwards. Yes. Like that scene felt like that. Um and to to get back to the initial question that you asked me. Um yeah, that scene is both I thought one of the best parts of the whole movie, mm-hmm. it was so real and tangible and gorgeous and made you feel like magic was alive and like she was magical. Um, also, really strange that she rushed here to save her home. And then she's just like, I'm going to smile and have this like yeah, yeah, fancy yeah. free attitude and float through the forest. And that sets the tone for the whole movie. It's yeah. just meandering like she should really be on task and getting this done Mm. and saving everyone she loves. And instead she's just, it's a series of frivolous distractions. Yeah. Cause like what you mentioned, she, uh, she's not obsessed with the idea that her power gives her responsibility the way that Clark is. Mm -hmm. She really slows down and like she, she's been in this tiny little, they call it a city, but it looks like an apartment complex Mm -hmm. that all of Krypton has been exiled onto. And uh, now that she's on Earth, she can spread her wings Mm -hmm. like metaphorically and figuratively like she's flying around and she looks at a a flower that hasn't budded yet and she Mm -hmm. heat visions it and then it blooms and there's a metaphor there for now that she's blooming on Earth. Yeah. She's opening up for the first time and she like, yeah, it's pretty on the nose, but it's really good visual storytelling. Yeah, and it, which again, I don't know whether or not to dive into this now, but um, tonally it was confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what I was about to say was, yes, that scene was on the nose, mm-hmm. but that whole scene felt like little kid magic. Mm-hmm. And it's confounding because there are things in the movie later that are not kid friendly. Yeah. So I don't really know who this is for, or if maybe in the 80s we hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> I don't know. They hadn't um, invented um, listening to women yet in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll still, that's like 30 years out from us still from this podcast. Yeah. I think I've already interrupted you three times. No. <laughs> so can we talk about uh, the first danger that Kara faces on Earth? She she saw the forest and deers mm-hmm. and butterflies and it was amazing. And then night falls and she's in the big city yeah. and, and she runs into two fellas. Yeah. And what happens there, Kenzie? It was tremendously uncomfortable. <laughs> um, she's Supergirl. So she has these superhuman powers and she literally runs into two truckers in a dark alley Mm -hmm. and they immediately start circling her. One picks up her cape to look at her butt. Yeah. They're just flat out telling her they're going to rape her. Yep. They don't quite use the R word, but they are not vague about it at all. They're like, we're looking for a good time and and you're it. Yeah. She's like, no. And they're like, yeah. And one of them pulls a knife. Yeah. And it's real bad because first of all they nailed it like that's scary that it like really had the vibe of when you run into people you don't want to run into yeah it suddenly is a tarantino movie out of nowhere yeah, yeah it was really like gritty and real and frightening um yeah and then the other thing that i know i make everything about 
being mad at how people talk to women, but like that seems valid in a life where you're a woman. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm always mad. That's that a frustratingly bold Taco stance. Bell's out of fire sauce, but it's relevant to me personally. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it uh, it was really frustrating that sh- they established that they know that she's super. So they're like, "You look like Superman. Oh, you must be related to Superman. Oh, you must be magical." Anyway, first of all, we're going to both assume that you're completely incapable. And second, we're going to just beat you up and have our way with you. Like, that was all really upsetting and frustrating and disturbing. Yeah. They ask if she belongs to him kind of first. They're like, so you're Superman's girl. And she's like, he's my cousin. Which, how would she know that? She's been exiled in space for forever. So as a nerd who's never had to experience walking alone in a dark alley and being afraid, I was like, actually, the continuity is wrong. And you're there just like crying. (laughs) You're living past trauma. So yeah, yeah. Please go on. It's- yeah, I'm. I keep getting sidetracked, but um, yeah. So they threaten her, yeah. And then she does what I think we all have wished that we could do: sure. that she has superhuman strength, and she grabs one man by the jaw and throws him into the trash, mm-hmm. and the other one she uses her heat vision to make his knife so hot that he can't touch it. And then I believe she throws him into the garbage too. Uh, But after a really kind of frightening scene, it was really gratifying to be like, yes, I wish I could do that to every person who like screams out of their car at me, literally throw them into the garbage. And that's what superheroes are a lot. When you talk about the the phrase male power fantasy Mm -hmm. and with female characters, you get the exact same thing. So that seems cool to me that there's some, it's a movie for little girls. Mm -hmm. Which, but it's also a movie about superheroes, which has violence in it inherently. So mm-hmm. I, as a man, don't know what to think about that. What is? Do you think that that is appropriate? Do you think there's there's certainly a lot of like Clark Kent gets bullied and Superman throws guys into the sun. There's like mm-hmm. a lot of that that goes on in <laughs> Superman comics and in like comic strips and TV shows. Mm-hmm. Steve Lombard is a bully who always picks on him at the Daily Planet. Mm-hmm. And then Clark always uses his powers to get back at him, but Steve doesn't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my favorite parts as a bullied nerd. Uh, <laughs> so this seems like equivalent to that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, not that getting bullied is equivalent to getting raped by in an alley. But No, but I think that like that scene was really uncomfortable because it encapsulates part of being a woman. You and I talk about this a lot, but that like... If I leave the house without you, someone will follow me home. Like, the world can be a really weird place for a girl. And so I think when you talk about that fantasy, like, yeah, for me, it really did feel like scratching this itch where I was just like, that's what I want to do to those people. So it it totally felt that way. And it actually gave me a glimpse into, like, there were several things that I've read in comics that I have had that moment. And it's more stuff like when I was younger and I was reading comics geared towards younger kids, but that being a 12 year old girl Mm -hmm. and then you read a comic where the boy does something that's kind of pointless but just to both look cool in front of other boys and get the girl and kind of rolling my eyes and being like boy (laughs) fantasy and then watching this movie I was like oh okay I (laughs) get get it it. that's really great okay I I like how that feels (laughs) and it's great because she's not the same character as Superman she's doing things Superman couldn't and tackling like issues she couldn't and she's never like for feminism like it's just a thing that happens to her and they move on right my favorite part of this scene and then we'll continue to the the more fun stuff Mm -hmm. is that there's so much in every Superman movie there's so much product placement there's always like Marlboro (laughs) cigarettes and all kinds this movie is dominated by A&W root beer and by Popeye's chicken it's just dumb it's like a subplot that like those are the greatest things of all time they mention them constantly I hope they're sponsors for this episode but the rapists both have A&W root beer t-shirts and I'm sure that when they were paying for like marketing the movie they didn't want it on the the rapist characters and like whose idea is that is that subversive and hilarious is that just the dumbest nonsense of all time it made me want a root beer And to see a dominatrix who kicks me with a red vinyl boot. Really bad. All of my kinks came from this movie. I didn't even realize it until watching it with you right now. It's like, oh, it's all coming together. Literally. It's amazing. <laughs> all right. So yes. after that, uh, then she goes straight to a softball game, as you do, <laughs> to get her mind off things. <laughs> Meanwhile, her planet, everyone's choking on the yeah, oxygen. Yeah. The elderly have been murdered to preserve yeah. food for the young. Like, it's a nightmare holocaust walking dead scenario. And then she's, like, walking through Earth and being like, oh, Popeye's chicken looks pretty good. And she watches the young girl softball team. Yeah, I think. From the bushes. 
<laughs> yeah. we've all done. <laughs> My guess with this is that there was a really cool story about a girl who isn't qualified to save the day, mm-hmm. but when she sees this orb get lost, she deep down takes a certain amount of responsibility and decides to go get the orb back from the bad guy mm-hmm. on Earth who gets a hold of it mm-hmm. and saves the day. And then I think somebody else came in and was like, listen, we got to make it relatable for little kids. So for no reason, we're going to put her in school. For no reason, we're going to make a hot boy love story. For no reason, we're going to shove these friends in here that she doesn't develop a relationship to. But you have friends, so that's relatable. Because they have last names, you know. Here's Lucy Lane. <laughs> yeah. It's not Lois Lane. It's her sister. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so she joins a girl's school while she's supposed to be saving everyone. Yeah, so first she sees a softball game, and it's it's this Catholic girl's school Mm -hmm. playing softball. So then she decides that she wants to be one of them. Yeah. So she magically shapeshifts into one of them. Right. She, like, walks behind a tree and then walks out, and her hair is a different color. Yeah. And her clothes are different, and she has a backpack full of books. (laughs) Yeah. So did she steal them at hyperspeed, and we couldn't see it with our eyes? Yeah, and we just don't see the, like, naked and confused schoolgirl hiding in the bushes. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's the deleted scenes. It's amazing. Yeah, she mugs some poor little girl. Oh no! It's amazing. What? A, how much depth does this character have? It's great. Yeah, and then she uh, goes to school, and she they're like, "What's your name?" And she starts to be like, "Super," uh, and then she like looks around for something, and it's like the usual suspects where she's like looking for something to name herself as, and she sees a poster of the Confederate General Robert E. Lee, and she's like, uh, "Lee, Linda Lee," which. That's so confusing because on the one hand, well, first of all, somebody decided to put that poster in that room. Yeah. They could have put Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. And she could have. Or anybody. Yeah. Rosa Parks. I'm Rosa Parks. Right. But no. So they put Lee. Okay. So somebody made that decision. Yeah. And then they could have decided that she knows nothing about Earth, but she does. They established that in the beginning. So she's potentially making the decision to name herself after a guy. And if they already established that she knows of and about Earth, yeah. she could pick a different Earth name that's like not... something Kent, because she knows yeah. Superman is her cousin. Yeah. Why do they never do that? And you mentioned, too, that her name's Car- um, Kara. Yeah. And then in the TV show they do now, it's like they just call her Kara, because yeah. that's an American accent. And she doesn't go with, like, Kara or Kara. It's like, Linda Lee. Yeah. And then she she's, she's an undocumented immigrant. Which is cool. Mm-hmm. So the principal leaves for a second to yell at somebody, and she forges oh, yeah. all of her papers at light mm-hmm. speed. So she writes a letter of recommendation from Clark Kent, who she's never met. <laughs> and they establish earlier when she's saving someone that on a, on a radio, a car radio, they say, Superman has effed off to Mars to negotiate a peace <laughs> treaty between the Martians and the Gumblobulans. So he won't be in this movie. He's dealing with the Gumblobulans. <laughs> so then she like starts writing stuff as, as Clark mm-hmm. Kent, and she tells, her, tells everyone that she knows him, and... How did that happen? No one knows. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't fit into any of the story they've created. All of his characters being like lonely. And if he knew that he had family, he would yeah. set up nothing to go free them and save them and bring them yeah. back to Earth and like just give them a home in Wisconsin or something. Anyway, but yeah, so she's enrolled in like fake Hogwarts for Supergirl. Right. right. <laughs> Who's her roommate? Uh Lucy Lane, right? Yeah. And that's I don't know if they said she was a cousin she's or Lois what Lane's relation. little sister. Okay. Okay. And she goes in her room and she like starts trying on bras outside her clothing. <laughs> yeah. And you had a funny comment on that. What did you... I was just wondering if it was like supposed to be a reference to Superman wearing his underwear on the outside. Yeah. Because she's confounded That's by so Lucy's bras and she is like putting a bra on over her shirt. Um, and again, it it felt to me though there was this moment in it where uh, Supergirl starts shoving things into the bra. Like, yeah. trying to stuff this bra that she's put on over her sweatshirt. Um, and it was it was such a funny moment to me because, like, the thing where she was flying and she was flying over ponies and, like, there are <laughs> things in this that really feel like they wrote them for grade school girls. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember in grade school, like, every recess, all of my friends running to the bathroom and being like, we're all going to stuff our bras. And I remember being like, well, that's dumb. And now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, well, probably because I was an early bloomer. And so I was like, <laughs> you're 
<laughs> you girls are wasting your time. That's dumb. But this is the- anyway. theater of the mind for you podcast listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not to overshare about myself. But it was just funny that it was a little moment that they didn't have to put in there. But somebody was like, oh, I remember being a little girl and, and they did this. So, again, it's really confusing why you would pander to little girls and, like, trigger this thing that they would relate to. Mm-hmm. But then a minute later, like, put curse words in it and have, like, weird kind of overly sexual stuff happening between characters. It's really strange. Yeah. So you mentioned the sexual stuff. Let's talk about how that happened. So who are the villains in this piece? So, yeah, we haven't even gotten into talking about the villain yet. Uh, The villain, again, is a little bit confusing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's pandering to grade school girls in a cool way Mm -hmm. in that she's an evil magical witch. (laughs) Um, in the science fiction story. I was going to say, it doesn't make any sense in Supergirl. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, like watch it for this one scene. It's so good where we are introduced to the villains because the second they're on screen, you know they're bad. Mm-hmm. It's two people dressed all in white, just sprawled on a dead tiger skin. Yeah. Having a picnic next to a river, and they, they're such jerks that they, like, take a bowl of fruit and set it on the tiger's head. Mm-hmm, so you're like, it. okay, these are the worst villains. And then what I love is that the guy of the pair is like, darling, what you have to do to take over the world is become invisible. And then she never turns invisible the whole movie, so yeah. I don't know why they set well, that up. Well, there's that invisible dragon. Right. There was an invisible monster. But then you're like, is he being poetic? Is he talking about like a secret identity? Yeah. And he's like, you put four beans in the mouth yeah. of a dead man, and then you <laughs> suck them out of his mouth. And then he gives us like really weird like necrophiliac, necromancy kind of spell Yeah. Thing. And they're like, oh, there's witches. But they don't show that with magic. They just tell you they're witches. Yeah, yeah. Which is confusing (laughs) to me. Yeah, it totally was very strange. Um, But while they're at their uh, very extravagant tiger throw blanket picnic, the orb the Supergirl is after just falls out of the sky right next to them. What a coincidence. And the woman, Selena. Mm -hmm who is a witch. And is uh, not Catwoman. Right, right. No. That was a strange decision on their part. Um, it's really, and maybe you could explain this to me, because sometimes I'm like, this is a plot hole, and you're like, no, no, I, you know, there's this from the comic, or, like, there's this other line that... To be fair so, to you, that's still a plot hole. If, if, you have, if you have to have read a comic from 40 years ago, and it's not okay. in the movie, I think that you're correct that it's okay. a plot hole. But yeah, go I on. appreciate go that. Go yeah, I didn't mean for that to come off as like mansplainy. I <laughs> genuinely appreciate when you can make movies make sense to me if they don't. Um, but the the orb falls from space, and she picks it up, and then she instantly knows so much about it yeah. as if it's communicating with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a line later. I literally wrote it down. Um, Oh, but, Kenzie carved it into her knee. She doesn't even yeah, have a notebook. She yeah. just carved it into her thigh. She was so concerned. Yeah, read this. Well, I'm now I'm not sure where I put the notes. Um, but essentially, so the first scene, she picks up the orb, and she just decides that it's all-powerful, and she can do anything with it, and she can go take over the world with it, and she knows specifics about its powers. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene towards the end of the movie where the orb is doing something strange, mm-hmm. And her friend is like, what's the orb doing? And Selena says, how should I know? Well, but you established that you have some sort of psychic connection to it. Yeah, it's weird. Initially, like, she just starts getting a prophecy of Supergirl because there's some inscription in the orb that's in in Kryptonian technology. We've seen in the first movie that, like, it talks to people. You Mm -hmm. know, his dad spoke to him through a crystal. So this crystalline orb thing Mm -hmm. starts telling her about Supergirl. And it's like, there will be a woman who's really powerful and she'll drink in the sun and all mm-hmm. this like little weird poem. Mm-hmm. And then she assumes it's her. And mm. she, and then she's going to fulfill the prophecy of Supergirl. She's going to become the powerful, crazy person. Oh, I didn't catch that at all. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that's no, how I... No, I think you're right. That's how I read yeah. it. She's like, there'll be a powerful woman. That'll be me. Because she's a raging narcissist like Lex Luthor. Yeah, that's so perfect. Okay, that makes that all make more sense. Because I know that after that moment, she turns around and says... I'm going to take over the world with this orb. And now it makes sense that the orb did tell her. And before that, she was the protege of a man named Nigel, Mm -hmm. who was a black magician who was teaching her the way. She was a novice and he was the master. Mm -hmm. And then after this orb 
business, she starts getting confidence, mm-hmm. and then she kicks him to the curb, and she becomes the master of the mm-hmm. witches. And and this power, this Kryptonian MacGuffin thing, mm-hmm. gives her powers, like because the idea there is that Kryptonian science is so far advanced that it's like our magic. Yeah. So she's using it to power her spells, and it's a fusion of the two. And that's sort of an interesting idea. I like that. I love that concept. I. I really want, like, we should write a letter to Jenny Nicholson and be like, ma'am, can you rewrite this? But there are so many cool concepts in this. I love that idea, mm-hmm. and they didn't even, I don't even know if they knew that they put oh, really? that in there. I thought it was subtext. Do you think I'm just making okay. it up to make the movie good? Because I do that all the time. Maybe, because yeah. I sure didn't get that, but I love that idea. Um, it, it's a cool concept, and, like, Supergirl could have a really cool arc and... Um, this bad guy could be really compelling and it feels like a movie just like rich with great ideas Mm -hmm. and it's so chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. And then from that point forward, I don't want to jump ahead if there's stuff that you want to hit specifically, but it's sort of just a weird, insane mess. Yeah. Like just things just keep happening. Like she has, she has that orb. So she starts testing her powers, Mm -hmm. but it's doing random chaotic acts Mm -hmm. with no clear goal. Yeah. And Supergirl addresses those only Mm -hmm. when someone else tells her to. Right. Like at one point, she goes back to the, the, she goes back to the school, and she gets bullied a little bit, and then she beats up the bullies using her powers, like in clever ways. Mm-hmm. So it's again, it's like that Steve Lombard thing, mm-hmm. and then they go to Popeye's Chicken, and that's the big giant part of the story. Is yeah. all the teens they're gonna meet for a party <laughs> in the middle of Midvale, Illinois, which is where they establish it, mm-hmm. which makes Metropolis in Illinois now too, to Popeye's Chicken. And speaking of, I think Kenzie, you and I as uh, vegans, yeah, should go to Popeye's Chicken. Yeah. Let's see what the hubbub's all about. Let's do it. You ready? Yes. Let's take a break. <laughs> all right. So that was some delicious A&W root beer. Mm-hmm. And Popeye's, what, what can we have there? Popeye's ice cubes for the Probably. A&W root beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> delicious, delicious. Yeah. So the rest of the movie is just a series of things that happen. Yeah. Where the witch is arbitrarily getting depowered and more and empowered. Yeah. And trying out these new spells, and then Kara goes and addresses them. Right. And I think the primary thing that I would say about the rest of the movie is that instead of utilizing what could have been a cool story, where the witch wants the orb, as you articulated really well. Uh, before we came here today, uh, the witch wants the orb for herself. Supergirl wants it to save her people. Mm-hmm. That's a cool conflict. Yeah. We also have this concept of technology versus magic, and yeah. at what point are they the same thing? That's really cool. Mm-hmm. What happens instead... Yes, please tell us. ...is that driving down the road, the witch sees a hot guy with his shirt off, Yeah, and she decides... That her new priority is to make a magic potion to make him fall in love with her. For no reason. No reason. We were both holding our breath, thinking that she would then use him in some creative way to help take over the world. No, no. She just wants to bang him. So, magic potion to make him fall in love with her. Instead, some things go wrong. He falls in love, unsurprisingly, with Supergirl. Mm -hmm. And then the whole rest of the movie is about liking a boy. And her spell doesn't use the orb. Yeah. And they address it. They're like, why don't you use the orb to make her to make him love you? And she's like, because I don't want to waste it. But she's wasted it 17 times already, making like little spells for Kara to fight. Like, really crazy wind she has to address. And right. There's like a, a tire rolling to Midvale that's going to destroy Popeye's chicken. You have to go defend Popeye's chicken, Popeye's chicken, Popeye's chicken. <laughs> it's insanity. And then, yeah, so she uses a random spell to make this boy fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, the next bitch you see, you'll fall in love with. <laughs> yeah. And it happens to be a Supergirl instead right. of her. Right. And then so that's, that's the conflict of the movie. Isn't that like, like you mentioned earlier, her planet's dying. Yeah. 24 hours have passed on a 48-hour clock yeah. to genocide. <laughs> yeah. but, but now there's a boy that they both like. <laughs> That they've date raped magically. Yeah, they have like rohypnol in a like a spider rohypnol, yeah, like goth rohypnol. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, there's some real bad stuff in there. If I can just break that down for a second, please, please do. We don't ever. There's nothing in the movie to compel the audience to feel bad for this guy who has been date raped. Yeah. So that's messed up. He's never even named. Yeah, he is. It's Ethan. 
Ethan? I don't know why I remember that. I, I never like know movie time. characters. That's... I think because I t- was taking notes. Was but just, yes, once he said I was his so name. I traumatized because he was treated like a woman generally is in fiction. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. now I understand feminism. Yeah. I thought you guys were all nonsense until this. <laughs> just a lot of uppity dames. But now when a boy is in distress all the time, I hate it. No, it's really, <laughs> even though I'm a feminist and I'm, you know, I have trouble like not making every conversation about that. Uh, I was still shocked in this movie to see what it looks like when a boy is portrayed the way that a girl is usually portrayed. And it was like, I kept looking at this character and being like, oh, he's so just offensively hollow and he only exists for the girls to have feelings about. And he's just here because he's hot. He's not a good actor. And then it was like, oh, okay. (laughs) It's so weird. So super tangent. Yeah. Super tangent. Oh. Have you heard that they're making a reboot of the Lord of the Flies movie? Yes. And it's with all girls? I heard that. I feel like there's this weird thing with screenwriters where they, they when they write female stuff, they mm-hmm. just write women exactly as if they were men. Mm-hmm. Like they have the, the exact same experiences, the exact same perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like life treats them the same way. They have the same opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case. Like there's intrinsic differences and in right. the way that we navigate the world. Right. Not stereotypical behavior that everyone does, but just ways that like... You have to have different kinds of a job if, if, if you, like, I don't know, like, you know more than right. I do. No, like, we've talk talked about, about like, working late night alone as a woman yeah. is hard. You know, I've worked at hotels. You have friends who have worked jobs that are like that. Like, it's not my thoughts or behavior as a female that makes the world different for me. It's that I am playing on a different setting than you are in yeah, this yeah. game. I never have to think about maternity leave. Yeah. Unless I want to. Like, there's certain things that are just different. And yeah, so they just write this man as if he's, I don't know, it's, it's really weird. They just make it the same story we've always seen, but just with the genders reversed. Yeah. And I think the genders, the genders would behave differently, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Well, um, so let's get into that too, though, because that's the second part of this that's really uncomfortable, is that particularly um, 80s movies, or I guess anything 80s and earlier, but I feel like it was very glorified in the 80s, was this concept of the relentless male mm-hmm. and that if a guy showed affection for a girl and she said no, at no point did we consider his behavior stalking or inappropriate. Yeah. He would just pursue the girl he liked, even if she said no, until he got her, until he got a reward yeah. for stalking her. Holding a boombox outside a girl's uh, room and playing music really loudly while her parents and her are sleeping yeah. is not cool, actually. No. It's, no. In reality, it's not cool. There's that guy who was playing piano outside a dorm recently uh, for like, I'm going to play until I get you back. And then someone oh. just went out and punched him in the mouth and he got Yay. bounced. And like, there's ways to write that story where you can make that guy sympathetic. Yeah. Because I've felt that way totally. Mm-hmm. I think we all have. But like you don't usually get what you want from it, yeah. and that's that in itself is like a bittersweet story. But right. they're not doing that. Like in this, yeah, it's just the relentless woman. Yeah, he he could be, um, like, well, I guess I guess they're both doing that because I was thinking of Ethan's character is that way a spell is put on him and yeah. now he's stalking Supergirl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is interesting. That, that then also Selena, the witch, is doing that to him. Um, and it works, but it works for Supergirl. Like she likes it. You're, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it really bothers me. Yeah. yeah, is that um, Ethan is like at one point he meets her and he grabs her and kisses her, and that's uh, uh, in the middle. Like she physically steps back and is like, "I don't want this," but he makes out with her anyway. That was a little bit weird. Also, it's just every '80s movie. It feels like. But that was weird. But then going forward, she was like, no, thanks, but bye. I have stuff to do. And then he's like following her around with heart-shaped boxes of chocolate and flowers and balloons. And he's like begging her to just give him a chance. And she's like, I'm in my Supergirl outfit. I'm trying to save people. No. And he's like, no, please love me. And then eventually she just is like, okay, well, you followed me around for long enough. And the whole thing is supposed to be kind of a joke because the witch is an older character mm-hmm. and she's going for a younger man yeah. who's shirtless. So her younger man to her is this like 35-year-old guy yeah. with, a, with a full beard. And then he falls in love with Supergirl who's 15. Yeah. And he's pursuing her relentlessly. And then it's like, 
it starts playing sweet music under it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, it, there's a comedy there in the scripts. And it's why the witch hates Supergirl. It's because mm-hmm. she's younger and more powerful. Yeah. And that's even that's kind of cliche. But yeah, they don't really address that romance aspect again. Yeah. Yeah. That could be a funny parallel that they could use. That she wants a younger person and surprise, so does he. And then like no one gets what they want. And yeah. that's kind of funny. Yeah. That could be a great subplot. I wanted Jimmy Olsen to be her love interest really bad. Yeah. But he sucks in this. Yeah. He tells should... her not to save people all the time. Yeah. He's like, you're going to get stabbed whenever she wants to go help anybody. Yeah, which is literally, I was so frustrated. It was this perfect depiction of what happened to us the other night. And not to get too much into it, but that there was a crisis and you said, I would like to help with this crisis. And instead, other people around us were shouting, no, don't be helpful because you might get hurt. And it's like, well, that's not how it works. Like, yeah. we all have to step up and take responsibility. And the world works well when we all look out for each other. That's what America is. is. It's people taking care of each other. Yeah. And being a community. And like, yeah. Yeah, we had we have to live in a bad part of town. There was a guy that walked in the middle of the street and was trying to kill himself by having a car hit him. Yeah. And I went out to address that. And uh, people were yelling at me, what if he has a gun? What if? And like trying to tell me come back in the street and then it was fine it was a guy trying to hurt himself not me or not anybody else and i right. just i talked him down and then people came and took him away in an ambulance but right. but yeah there were bystanders that were like filming on their phones the entire time yeah. and being like that guy's crazy like yeah he's yeah. mentally ill you're not helping by yelling that you're, he's crazy but then jimmy olsen does that in the story so right, supergirl's going same... to save people and he's like what are you nuts you're a good girl and it's the same thing it's a guy this love struck guy who's under the spell is in the exact same thing he's confused and wandering in front of traffic Mm -hmm. and she wants to go save him and jimmy olsen says no and then what really took away from the character for me and really disappointed me was that she went okay and they all (laughs) went to popeye's chicken and then (laughs) just to show the Popeyes one more time. Yeah. And then once the city starts to collapse and things start to go terribly wrong, then she's like, oh, well, I guess I better go change into my Supergirl outfit and go out and save the day. And she runs to the bathroom and she's like, sorry, I'm in an emergency. And another Popeyes (laughs) customer goes like, I've been there, girl, because Popeyes chicken makes you crap a lot, I guess is the joke. So the writers are like getting back at, they just screwed A, they're like, oh, A.W., you want to give us money? You're a rapist. Popeyes chicken, you want to give us money? You make people poop too much. (laughs) It's amazing. Which is, that's a funny trend though, because that's what happened in Superman as well. Yeah, yeah. They took money from Marlboro cigarettes and then he blows out whenever Lois tries to smoke and then mm-hmm. he hits Zod in the face with the Marlboro truck. Yeah. He looks around for an acceptable thing to throw yeah. and he's like, oh, these guys are the devil and then hucks the Marlboro <laughs> yeah. truck at them. So, yeah, <laughs> the Selkines, the producers, are pretty funny with this. Yeah. Uh, if they kept going, this was like <laughs> Superboy the movie starring, like, brought to you by heroin. <laughs> so weird so weird so yeah supergirl saves people only after it's like an emergency there's a giant tire rolling towards popeye's chicken and she's like now this i gotta draw a line somewhere and she kicks the tire away and they're like dun 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 it's amazing and then they promptly run out of money yeah because there's five more scenes that are just like this where it's just to like tackle giant threats and the next one is that a dragon's coming to town, but they have no money for the dragon, so they say it's an invisible dragon. Yeah. So they just didn't add the special effects where there would be a dragon, <laughs> like either CGI or claymation animated. <laughs> so like cars get trampled, and she mm-hmm. gets knocked around, and she makes like sex noises while she's getting punched <laughs> by nothing. And they're like, "It's an invisible <laughs> dragon." <laughs> And you never see the dragon. It's amazing. It's like a, I can't believe this isn't a trauma movie. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> they left the whole thing in. But what I said before, and I, I 100% think that you are right, and they did it because they were out of money. Yes. As a little girl, I'm watching this thinking, yeah, when I fight dragons, they're invisible too. Mm-hmm. So as a little kid movie, it totally works. Because you're just like, it's pretend. Like, it translates very well to little kid stuff. But if you are trying to market this to non-nine-year-olds, it just looks like (laughs) 
a hole in the budget. <laughs> oh my god! And then because later on they actually do have a cool giant CGI yeah. demon. Like, he was awesome. So at the end of the movie, let's just skip there. Okay. Is that cool with you? Yeah, yeah. So she creates a giant mud citadel, right? Yes. The witch, Selena. Yeah, Selena. Who, who takes over the world for no reason. Yeah. They don't explain that. All of a sudden, she runs everything. She runs the police and lives in a tall mud citadel yeah. overlooking she, the city. Because she's 31 and she's bummed out that everyone's <laughs> younger than she is in the entire yeah. world. Because 31's yeah. really pushing up. Yeah. Like horrible. <laughs> yeah, so she conquers the planet yeah. to punish them for their youth. Right. And she's like, I gotta kill that young hot thing because my boy toy likes her too much. <laughs> yeah. And she like... She like hucks her into the phantom zone using a chicken wand. Right. Remember that? Right. She has like a magic wand that's shaped like a Popeye's chicken <laughs> for real, for really, really real. It's all feathery and stuff. Yeah. It's insanity. Which, and I feel like that is like, do you ever get these just like millennial tinglings of like, oh, I'm pretty sure I should be offended by that. Like that felt to me <laughs> like I was like. My SJW sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that whole subplot where they were just like, it's crossed over into this like, before they were just like generic movie style magic witch. And then they started to do things that felt to me like they were like, is this a voodoo thing? I don't know. Throw it in there. And so like Popeye's chicken voodoo, that, yeah. yeah, that felt like part of it where they were like, I don't know, chicken parts. And it looks creepy and weird and voodoo-ish, but like, so good. I don't know. Let's just leave it to like magic lights that come out of your fingers. Just random other culture stuff. Did yeah. you ever watch the anime Evangelion, Neon Genesis Evangelion? No. That's the only time I've ever seen that where they do that with Christian shit. Oh, Christians! Oh my, my uh, paint that out with Christian stuff. <laughs> no, you're leaving it. No, I swore. And well, while I was talking about God, no, they they have like crosses and Christian imagery, and it, it was huh. like people that were making it weren't Christian, but it uh-huh. looked cool. So Whoa. they say things like God and angels, and like they use like iconography from Christianity, but it's not. Oh, it's like, but our producer is like vibrating with nerd rage right now. Mason, hop on the mic. Hi, this is Mason. I'm the producer of yes. uh, Anime Attic, one yes. of the other shows. You should listen a, to it. It's great. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. The hey. um, so in Neon Genesis, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which I haven't uh, officially done an episode on, but it's the third most requested episode, so <gasps> we're, we're totally going to do it. Bring Kenzie and me on. Um, yeah, you guys should come on. But um, so that was directed by Hidaki Anno, who okay. is my all-time favorite uh, anime director nerd. and nerd. Wh- yeah, and what he's... I, I, I'm the lead producer of Meltdown Cops. What do you, what do you <laughs> But, like, what was going on in the Unjust Evangelion? First of all, he a lot of people were on a lot of drugs. That That's, like, that's a given factual statement, okay? Second of all, um, they weren't just addressing the Christianity aspect. Okay. It was actually... Uh, deep into Jewish and Kabbalistic as well. And they Same thing. They took a lot of elements um, from uh, mysticism as well. So what they were doing was they were trying to show kind of a, a worldview that in fact there were these archaic uh, elements like uh, God's door, um, angels in general, but in, in fact they're represented as kind of aliens in this. And mm. they're, they're kind of throwing it back to the Bible, which yes, okay, a lot of people... It, Christianity I, cool, Christianity comes from the Bible, but it also comes from the the, the Torah, right? The 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 Jewish uh, mm. religion as well, and so they were like, let's do let's let's show the kind of the all encompassing aspect of it that they were trying to unify the the different religions and and show that there was this kind of root religion, mm-hmm. which is where all this stuff kind of came from. I think it's a very cool. Kenzie's doing the mic here. Hey, Kenzie. She's on my mic now. So that's a very cool hoity-toity way to think about that. I think, and then practically, it was in Japan where there wasn't a whole lot of Christianity versus stuff like Buddhism and Shinto and whatnot. As a consumer, it just looks different and cool. The same way that in Supergirl, having voodoo stuff looked different and cool. Mm -hmm. So they're inspired by another culture and they made it look alien and strange and neato because it was was uncommon. Yeah. No, I mean, I certainly agree with that. And then there's, there was also, a huge aspect of um, India, like Japan and a lot of anime, they they take a lot of elements from All India Asia, because yeah. it's so it's so close 
to the I mean that's why everyone eats curry and Masato eats curry. Anyway, this is this is super <laughs> friends. Kenzie, I'm gonna way. hop I'm gonna hop back off now. Again, this guys, podcast is brought to you by whatever. Popeye's chicken and Asperger's. Everybody everybody drink A and W. Those are our three sponsors for this episode. <laughs> Uh, I'm so happy you came on, Mason. Mason's a really important, vital po- part of the podcast. This is why we're here. And I'm happy that in a podcast talking about um, feminism, we had a man steal a mic from a woman. That also <laughs> makes me very happy. Because because I didn't give up mine. Because I, if I was a gentleman, I would have handed mine over. So that was all on me and not Mason. I want to make that clear. Well, we could, we could get into that. Because if you notice... He looked like he had something to say, and I was like, "I better give my mic to the boy." Like, oh, oh no! Uh, Internalized <laughs> yeah. misogyny. Did I do it right? Yeah. I yeah. I that from Tumblr. Do I get a Scooby snack? Yeah. Whenever I gender, I mean, is that uh, what they're calling it now? Oh, sure. <laughs> Super Friends After Dark. <laughs> Sorry. Whoops. We're keeping. Okay, so going. a chicken wand. Yes. Which is awesome. Yeah. And then she goes to the Phantom Zone. Yeah. And then she gets out of the Phantom Zone, which is impossible. Right. And then she fights a giant claymation demon from Ghostbusters 2. Yes. Or Ghostbusters 1. One of the Ghostbusters. Yeah. And then she gets the boy. Right. And then goes home, but we never see her home again. She gets the boy, and then they all go, this movie was terrible, and we don't want it to be in continuity, so yeah. don't tell my cousin I was here. And Jimmy Olsen goes, here? I won't even say you were there. Yeah. And then they all they all promise to never mention the movie or Supergirl ever again. Like on camera. Uh, and then she hurls into the ocean. Yeah. Presumably to get her spaceship, but maybe just to die off screen. And there was never a sequel. <laughs> so she drowned to death, you guys. And Argo exploded. They never bring the back the the great boon back to her culture. They never bring back the, the MacGuffin. Yeah. The little Orby thing and save the planet. Well that's what she was supposed to do, right? The movie ends, and she just flies into the ocean. But yeah, why they never gave us a reason for her to be in the ocean? Because when she crash landed, wasn't it? She crash landed in a creek, though. All water, okay, leads back. It's like Mason's thing about how all religion (laughs) is a root religion. Okay, so all water has a root water. (laughs) Okay, that it goes back to. It's all connected. Okay, (laughs) actually, if you watch the anime of Supergirl, you'll understand. (laughs) (laughs) so good so good so yeah um do you like this because you're a girl right yeah you like it by default yeah for sure what else yeah let's talk about supergirl some more (laughs) the character in general how are you gonna go do you feel inspired to watch the tv show now i do yeah i really like the character um i am so sorry for being one of those people who never knows who made things Mm -hmm. um but this current incarnation of supergirl um, I don't know if you know. What's that in the TV show or the the comics? the comic yeah. right now? Mm-hmm. Um, is wonderful. I love it. It's so much fun. It's like everything I wanted when I was little, but either didn't have or didn't know to look for. It's very cool. Were you reading? Um, you're reading Being Super, right? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Really Being cool. Super. Yeah, but and I think Joelle Jones draws that. right? That's right. Yeah, I love the art. I love the character. Um, so yeah, that's. That story is great. I was really excited for this movie and like the fact that she starts off as somebody who's like, I don't know whether or not this is my job to fix, but I'm going to take responsibility and go save the world. Like that was cool. You mentioned off mic that aside from the scary near sexual assault scene um, where the guys are being gross, like they never show her butt in this movie. Yeah. They're, she's not hypersexualized. Like she's just, you know this cool character who gets things done so like as a character i think she's great i think she's awesome for everybody it's, she's not just like for little girls it's good directing too because they wrote in a shower scene that's in the movie yeah and they still don't show anybody like below the neck yeah you hear the sound of water and stuff mm-hmm. but like they don't over sexualize anybody and like it was written to be yeah it's really it's a well-made movie like it's it's a well shot movie. Yeah, we'll say for sure. Yeah, and some of the even though the, they just forgot to put in the dragon, uh, the special oh, effects so that they good. do use are great. The sets are beautiful. Costumes are cool. Um, yeah, it was just the fact that somebody derailed it by deciding that the only thing girls could fight over is boys. Yeah, is what ruined it. There's also nobody that isn't white 
on either Krypton or planet Earth, which yeah. felt like the most sci-fi of the entire thing, like more than like demon dogs and like yeah. magic spaceships, like mm-hmm. everywhere they go, it's only white people. And that was sort of interesting. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Cause I spent the whole movie being like, well, and she's getting mansplained to again, but like, yeah, that's a really valid point is that's something that you and I have talked about a lot with Superman is that like, that's why the animated series is so cool mm-hmm. Because they create a world that's not like that. But yeah, it's it's really a shame that I don't think it's in the spirit of the original source material to create it that way. If the whole point of Superman was to be like, F you Nazis. Yeah, and yeah. then We're taking people, this name back. Yeah. And then people are going to create movies in a world of only white people. Yeah. yeah. It's unsettling. Yeah. It's, it's for sure like takes me out of the movie more than bad special effects would or mm-hmm. something. It's just like an odd choice to make. Yeah. But other than that, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Highly, aside from that one scary scene, highly recommend it for eight-year-olds <laughs> who want to like wrap a red towel around their neck and run around the house and play pretend. Absolutely, like, that's awesome. Absolutely, and it's very much in spirit with the Christopher Reeve stuff. Mm-hmm. You've seen a lot of Superman movies now, almost by force from <laughs> being with me. Where does this rank? Like, how much do you like this in comparison to other super stuff? Oh my gosh! Like do you, the new movies? Do you like it more than those? Do you, do you like it more than the old movies? Do, do I like, like it? it more than the masterpiece Man of Steel? Yeah. Do I yeah. like it more than this glorious production we call Batman v Superman? Man of Steel needed some more chicken voodoo. Yeah. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being very mean. I apologize if you like the Zack Snyder movies. I think I hate them more than any other movies I've seen. So I won't say anything about I them. I think the point of this podcast is that everyone kind of globs onto one Superman thing. Yeah. It's their favorite, and that's the only thing Then from then on. Okay. I don't know if it's like an age thing or if it's just your life experience, mm-hmm. but there's enough for everybody. Mm-hmm. All of it's valid, all of it's cool, but all of it's certainly not for everybody. I think yeah. most people probably would not like this Supergirl movie. Yeah. Because it's so, it's 15 different ideas. It's right. a lot to follow. Yeah. I'm going to say as a connoisseur of bad 80s B movies. Yes, yes. It gets a higher ranking from me than it deserves. Okay. okay. Uh I loved it visually. I love that somebody in there was just like make her come from Barbarella world cuz that's my biggest weakness. Um <laughs> so biggest strength you mean, that's awesome. <laughs> so I think that I probably feel more favorably about it than I ought to just based off of the visuals and the bad 80s action movie aesthetic of it um i think that it's uh it's definitely hangs around the middle i'd say um it's really too bad that the plot was so very very weak Mm -hmm. um and that they did the weird stuff about girls fighting over boys that really took me out of it um so yeah i'd say it's it's somewhere in the middle the the just silly magic of it and watching somebody who that that's the thing is that you can't help the bias that you have coming into things and i i noticed this about myself in grade school i notice it all the time when i'm watching a blue-eyed blonde-haired girl mm-hmm. fly around on screen i'm like that's me yeah, that's i can do that so there's something in my head that i'm like this is extra magical yeah, she's yeah. got all the same powers as superman but she looks just like that's me awesome. so it like gets some unfair points for me uh, no, that's for great. that like, representation <laughs> in media really matters and that's why it's fun to have things like this that you mm-hmm. really respond to really well yeah i think that's cool that you have that yeah i yeah, that could be a whole other podcast. Well, everybody should yes. get one, is your point, right? Everyone That's exactly what like I mean, that. right? Because yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, but I'm talking about representation for blonde white girls, so we could go off on a tangent about how maybe we don't need more screen time. But um, yeah, so I'd I'd put it somewhere in the middle. Very cool. Very diplomatic. <laughs> like that answer. So you would have just changed in the movie, if I understand you, mm-hmm. the like the the fella subplot. You would have mm-hmm. had it just be about the orb, right? Her trying yes. to get it. She's trying to use power to help other people, Supergirl, right. and then her enemy is trying to use power to make her own life more right. extravagant. So mm-hmm. that, that would be your conflict there. Absolutely. That's yeah. Very smart. Yeah. I'd focus in on what you said about the comparison between technology and magic. Um, and I would make Supergirl stay on task and move forward quickly the whole movie mm-hmm. instead of 
playing with friends and joining a girl's school that she doesn't need to. Totally. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I love the magic too. One of my favorite Superman novels is called Miracle Monday mm-hmm. by Elliot Magan. And there's it's Superman versus the devil, basically. Yeah. So I think it works really well to have those things clash together. Mm-hmm. Star Wars has magic and science yeah. in it. So it's not, that doesn't make the movie bad. I've seen that a lot online. It's all, that was going to awesome. make a dumb joke. What's that? Like, it's all science midi-chlorians. Yes. Never mind. Yes. <laughs> prequel. Well, a prequel podcast is our next one. <laughs> This is great, Kenzie. So you are a real-life Supergirl to me. You're very impressive. Uh-huh. You make Thank music you. and do all kinds of crazy fun uh-huh. stuff. When I met you, you lived in a van. Yes. You're like, <laughs> you you sound like a, a nine-year-old angel, and you live like a like a 65-year-old survivalist from The Walking uh-huh. Dead. So where <laughs> really can like people that. learn more about your weird self on the old internet? Um, if you just go to my website, it has all the links for everything. It's Popeye's Chicken backslash. A&W. A&W backslash. Slash. Don't get raped by truckers in an alley. <laughs> dot org. No, uh, it's just my name. I'll spell it all. Or maybe you can just have it on your website. It's uh, you, long. You mind spelling it? Yeah. Some folks can't sure. read, but look. Okay. <laughs> this is for our, our blind listeners who okay. love comic books. Yes. So it's Mackenzie Mazel. That's M-A-K-E-N-Z-I-E. M-I-Z-E-L-L dot com. Mm-hmm. And it has all my stuff. It has all the links to the Instagram and YouTube and all that. And cool, you cool. can listen to my music. Yeah. Which is also uh, on every episode of Super Friends. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best one. I'm going to say it. I'm going to put it out there. Thanks for coming on, Kenzie. This Thank is very you so cool. much for having me. Let's go enjoy some A&W root beer <laughs> at Popeye's Chicken. <laughs> cool? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Listen to Anime Attic. Ooh, Super Friends with Eric Esquivel.